You know, we're, uh, we're moving forward in a, in a short uh, series that we have entitled Hurt. And we're looking at this idea of what happens when things happen in our lives, when things that, whether they're explained or unexplained, right? We deal with hurt in this life ever since the fall, all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, right? It took us three chapters in the book of 1189 to mess all things up, right? And there's 1186 of them putting things back together. And we deal with hurt in this life, do we not? We've seen a couple things in the first three weeks. We see what happens whenever I feel hurt, when I feel abandoned by God. And we looked at Psalm 22 and this idea of my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the beauty and the reality that God was with the psalmist at all times, just as he was with Christ when he uttered those words as well. And the second week we looked at, well, but what about those times that, Christopher, that it doesn't seem that God shows up? What about whenever it seems that I'm walking in darkness and it seems that darkness is my only friend? Right? Like Simon and Garfunkel would sing for us. Or as I learned in uh, Disturbed, another version uh, that sang that. Right? Hello, darkness, my old friend. Like that's, that's what we sometimes we walk in. And, and so we looked at Psalm 88, how there is a reality. Sometimes it ends with darkness and there is no sense of showing up what do we do and then last week we we turned uh, to looking at Solomon and the idea of what happens when leadership and coming down from the high up when it seems that God has abandoned us but down to the the horizontal whenever our leadership those who are in trust we are entrusted our faith and our our walk and our you know knowledge of the word to what about when they fail us and we looked at the little chinks in the armor that, that happened in Solomon's life that can also lead in our lives and that we should watch and take heed that we don't too fall into that temptation. Well, this week, you know, I really, I really felt like the, the sensing of the Spirit to, uh, to leave me address, you know, when this exists, this hurt exists and these, these barriers in between one another. When they come between one another, when reality, if we're all sitting here, we've all been hurt by another brother and sister in Christ, have we not? Whether it be due to harsh words or harsh actions, whether it's the, you know, things left unsaid that have, ha- that have hurt us, or whether there's a third party that, that's come in and, and put a division between the two of us, or there's maybe some sense of a betray- betrayal of a, someone's trust. Or there's attacks on our character. Or just simply the weight of life weighing us down and drawing us away from fellowship with others. What I'm going to do today, and part of this, you know, of, of gathering in this small space together, is I want some of this to come out. There, we're, going to, we're going to have a shorter message today. And then I want to make a call of action right here this morning by all of us present. I want to call all of us that are here this morning to take this word and to rise up and to make it and make it actually happen and true in our lives. And we'll get through what some of those things are. We're going to live out the word and find the healing that so many of us are in desperate need of. And so what I want to do, I want to jump right in and I want to give you all some time to live this out even this morning. So if you know, okay, I heard that. Yeah, okay. He's, see, he's ready. <laughs> if you know the book of James or the letter to James, it's an extremely explicitly practical letter, right? James is very unafraid and unashamed to call out believers to live what they preach, right? Whether it be from the way that we we use our tongue, whether it uh, be on how we show favoritism to one another, whether it be our passions that get get us in trouble or even our pride that sometimes wells up. 
right? James gets into the idea of the life lived out in Christ should not be merely words, but they should be actions, right? A faith without our action or without works is dead, right? And he's going to wrap up his whole entire letter. He leaves one thing out from the entirety. And I think he brings it to the very end for a reason. Because I believe all of the things that we deal with in this life, all of the hurts, all of the different things, have one major remedy that, that runs through all of them that we can, you know, the, the different issues he faces in the letter. And he mentioned it seven times in just this one passage. Anybody notice what he mentioned seven times in this passage as a remedy to whatever hurts we go through? Prayer. Prayer right? Prayer. In all of our sufferings, in all of our hurts, all of our abandonments that we go through, through our sins towards one another, it's prayer that is our greatest healer. It's something that you and I, we should all be desperate for. We should long for. We should go out and seek it out and seek our Heavenly Father. But sadly, too often, we're not doing that. We're not desperate for prayer, are we? What do we tend to do? We tend to run to our own understanding, right? I'm going to work through this thing. I'm going to figure it out on my own. Or we go out to friends or to family or others. And what do we do? We gossip. We complain. We find shelter. We find something else in someone else. And we let everybody else know about our problems. Or what do we do? We hold things as a grudge against one another, right? Somebody has hurt. Somebody has said something. And we hold on to that and we keep it. Until the proper time that we feel that it's right to just, right, explode on somebody. Or for many of us, what do we simply do? We just simply stay silent. I was told, I was taught, if you have nothing nice to say, say nothing at all. And we keep it in, right? And like a rot, I think, that sits inside of us. When we do these things, when we keep these things to ourselves, it's like a rot that sits inside of us. And it eats away at the boards of the faith that we've let and that we've put down until they become brittle and they become broken. And as soon as we step on them, they just fall right through. And like James mentions, we become sick in this passage. Not merely physical, not merely physical sickness that he's speaking about here, but a spiritual and an emotional sickness that we deal with when we hold on to the things and we don't speak about them. And when sin enters into our relationships, wounds are created, right? But after we put on our, what do we like to do? I totally forgot to do this. I meant to bring one up with me. I was going to unwrap it. But what do we do when we get wounded in, in, among our brothers and sisters? We like to take out a little Band-Aid, right? And we like to put it on and we say, mm, okay, that's good enough. I've healed. I've moved on. I've left it behind me and I'm all good, right? When there's this huge gaping wound and we think that this little tiny band-aid that's going to go on there is going to cause it to heal. We don't do that when it comes to a physical wound. But when it comes to our wounds of brothers and sisters, we, we treat it very much that way as a just little band-aid on. And what we do is we never fully heal. But our best salve, our best neosporin that we can put on there, that antibiotic, I believe is prayer. And I want to look at three ways quickly in this passage to find healing. And then what we're going to do is we're going to practice it. All of us. New people? All of us. People that have been here? All of us. Me? All of us. That we begin to live out the things that the Word is saying to us. So let's look at these three ways in which I believe the passage shows us to find healing. Let me read these. First one is in verse 13. 
through 15, the first part of 15, he says, If anyone of you among you is suffering, they should pray. Is anyone in good spirits, they should sing praises. Is anyone among you ill, he should, they should summon the elders of the church, and they should pray for them and anoint them with olive oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise them up. He says, if you're suffering, do what? Pray. If you're in good spirits through the things that you're going through, some of us go through it and we have in good spirits. He says what? Sing praises to your God. Notice where both of those are focused. To the Lord. He says, if you're sick, what do you do? Bring your spiritual leaders together to lift you up in prayer. What is it that the spiritual leaders in a church are called to? Two things. What? Ministry of the word and ministry of prayer. That's what your spiritual leaders are there for. And James doesn't mince words, does he? He doesn't mince words. He says, don't, you don't need, and you don't need this long theological treatise, I don't think, of what, what happens when spiritual leaders get together and they pray for you in your sickness. What does he say? The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise them up. James doesn't need a long thing to say here. He believes that there's power in prayer for when we are sick. And I think often we tie this to this prayer of sickness, we tie this to an idea of a physical sickness. That I'm going through, I've got cancer, or I've got something, whatever it may be, that I'm going through some kind of physical ailment. But if I look at the context of what James is saying here, I don't believe that's his primary place that he's talking about. Getting your elders together to pray for you that you might be physically healed. Though I do believe the physical and the spiritual have a whole lot of connection that we don't pay a lot of mind to. If modernism did anything to us, it kind of ruined us to think that we're a physical being, we're a spiritual being, we're a mental being, we're something else. And we have these separations and we think that none of these things go together. I believe what James is talking about is he's talking about and using the words here is more of an idea, the suffering that comes from the ills of others. If you look before, he's talking about not backbiting one another, not arguing with one another. If someone comes against you with something. And it's in this sickness, in this heaviness, this weariness, or this weakness, this idea that I just can't go on like this. James says if you are feeling that, that sense of sickness in your body, that I think often it begins in a spiritual, but what does it do? It manifests itself in a physical, does it not? How many of us, when we're stressed, does our body change on us, Right? It's often, a, I think it's tied to, spirit, uh, to a physical, but it starts in our spiritual. It's kind of like, I, I remember a few years back, I had a student that came to me when I was at Princeton University. And uh, a freshman, I think I've told the story before, a freshman came to me and he said he had something to confess to me. And, you know, 18-year-old boy, you think, I, I haven't told anybody about this, he said. I'm the only one that knows this. And I'm like, oh, I know where this is going, right? 18-year-old boy, I think I know where this one's going to go. But I was very surprised when he came to me. He came to tell me that actually he's like, I've been, it's been eating me away. This is about five months into the school year. He said, this has been eating me away all the time that I've been here. And he's like, I can't get well. I'm sick. My nose is wrong. I mean, just all these things. He said, I just cannot feel it. He said, basically, I cheated to get into Princeton. The number one school in the country, he cheated to get in and he made it. No one found out about it. And here he is sitting in my office and he said, I remember you told us a couple weeks ago about this confession and that there needs to be healing that comes. 
And he sat there and confessed to me and we prayed, we talked through things and we prayed. And I can tell you in a physical way, I've never seen anything like this before, that it was almost like his body leaked at that moment. I know it sounds funny, but literally everything in him, his, no, I've never seen him, somebody go through so many tissues in one moment. It was not just from tears. But his body literally changed in front of me and his sickness left him in the sense of all of the things that he had been holding on to for about a year now was just had him so tensed up in his body. I've had some of you here mention to me of things that their body was so seized up, but in their sense of releasing something spiritually and their physical aspect has changed. James says here that if you have Sickness. If you have something that's keeping you ill, you should come, what? To your elders. To those who are entrusted with the word and to prayer and ask them to pray over you. And I think some of us are sitting here this morning and we're in this place saying, you know what? I cannot go on. I need prayer. We'll get there. Stick with me. The second thing James says here, he goes on verse 16 or verse 15, he says, after that, the Lord will raise him up. And he says, and if he has committed sins, the first one, I, I don't think I said it. The first one is prayer for healing. If those of you like to take notes, prayer for healing. The second one is this, is a prayer of confession. He says, if anyone has committed sins, that he will be forgiven. So confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. I think too often, a lot of times we think of when it comes to hurts, whenever I'm dealing with something, where do we start? With the way that someone else has, that reached out and they've hurt me, right? And I'm dealing with the ways in which I need to, to be able to heal from the hurt that somebody's put against me. But some of us, second area that James deals with with healing sometimes is from the very sins that you and I have committed as well. Is it not? We often look to that hurt of another and we seek healing, but as James adds the idea of hurt, coming on from our own unrepentant actions. Another person may hurt us, but what do we often do in turn? We strike back, do we not? We strike back into others when, whether it be actively with our words, we say, you're going to say that to me, I'm going to say it back. I have that happen on a daily basis with my four and six-year-old. But he started it. But you finished it, Right? Whether it be gossip and spreading something about one another. Whether we go out to others and spread something unfounded based on something, right? Or maybe it be passively by our avoidance of our other brothers and sisters in Christ. They've hurt me, and so I'm going to just stay as far away from them as I can. I'll stay in, in community. i stay in community, but really my community is more of, I'm going to stay as far away from them as possible. And we allow the relationship that Christ brought together, the wall that Christ brought down between other people, we allow it to be built back up. We allow it to fracture relationships with one another. And James says to us, he says, confess to one another. And not only that, not only confess, but to do what? Pray for one another. And find what? Healing. Who? Confessing to one another takes what? Two people. Two people to tango. Confession to one another. How, I think it's a very rare thing that it, it's 100% one way and not the other. It's, there are times for that. But even if we have in the, the way that we come, the way that we respond internally, whatever it may be, spiritually, 
We confess to one another and we both find healing. We'll have an opportunity there too for some of us. Third, he says in this, not just only a prayer of healing, not a prayer of confession, but also the third, a prayer of confrontation. Jump down to verse 19 with me. He says, my brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns them back, they should know that the one who turns a sinner back from their wandering path will save that person's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Often hurt comes from what? When others hurt us, often it comes from internal when we respond back, back, but sometimes it comes from one we care about wandering off from the truth. And the difficult means, I think this is maybe the most difficult of these, the most difficult means of healing comes when we what? We confront them in their wandering. How many of us love to confront somebody in their wandering from the truth? Anybody love that? Some people do. Some people are like, oh, this is my, this is my jam. This is, where I'm, this is where I excel. I don't know about you, but I don't like it. As the pastor, I don't like it. But James says, when you do turn one back, what do you do? Two things. He says, what? You save their soul from death. And two, you what? Cover a multitude of sins. How often is hurt done when somebody strays from the truth? And when they stray from the truth, they often do so in a way that hurts with words or actions or whatever it may be. They hurt one another. And I believe the way that we confront sin and we let people know where they, we've been harmed, we do that. But I think in the context is we should also, as the others, to follow it up with what? Prayer. Praying for one another. But I skipped over right at the beginning, in the middle of that, and I want you to notice here in the middle, and it says the verses 16b through, through 18, he says, after confessing your sins, he says what? The prayer of a righteous person has great effectiveness. He says, Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and there was no rain in the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, this guy gave rain, and the land sprouted with its harvest. The prayer of a righteous person has great effectiveness in the lives of others. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that your prayers have great effectiveness? And that the, not only your prayers, but the other prayers of others in your life have great effectiveness. James tells us here that prayer brings what? Healing. James says it's so powerful, prayer is so powerful that it can even change the climate around you. You often think, what in the world does that have to do, Elijah praying for rain, have to do with healing? I think that all James is saying here is that prayer is so effective in calling on the one who controls the very weather that it's so effective that it can even change the climate for three and a half years. The prayer of one who is righteous and coming to God can have great Effectiveness, can it not? And if it can change the climate, just think what it shows the effectiveness of prayer can have for one another. Amen? So church, I brought you in close this week. Okay? I brought you in close with other people, me included. Not just for the the, the sense of the voices, though I love that. Not just sense of 
kind of getting us in close, not so we can often, as we can do sometimes, we can hide and have a barrier in between, but to bring us close into understanding that we live out our faith in community. And the more, I, I think just even a visible representation of the community that we have here. But part of it too is I want us to be able to apply what we're hearing today in this word. Some of you here are in need of prayer because you're suffering and there's weariness and you need to be healed. You are dealing with a lot. There is a weight upon you and you are dealing with a lot and you need healing. Some of you are here for that. And in a few minutes, we're going to take some time. I I encourage you to find someone else. If that's you, find someone else in here to pray for you. And that includes those of you that don't need, I don't know anybody, Christopher. Well, let me show you this. I'm going to have elders, if you would stand up. I want you to, if our elders here, Jared is one of our elders. You can stand up, stand up. I want him to see you. Jared is one of our elders. JJ back here in the back is one of our elders. Andy is one of our elders. And myself being one of the elders. If you need prayer for healing, come. Come and talk to us. If you know nobody else, you know these, one of these four. We'll pray for you. You can have a seat. I'll be up front. I'll be up here. Some of you are in need this morning to confess. Some of you are dealing with some hurts and you're dealing with pain and you're dealing with heaviness and it's leading to sickness in your life because you are in need of confession. You're carrying a burden. You've been carrying it around too long. And I say to you, those that are, swallow your pride. Oh, Christopher, that's rough. How dare you say that? Swallow your pride. Because pride will keep you away from fellowship. Pride of the enemy will keep you away from healing. I will not mince those words. And I know that is difficult. And I know some of you are going to be angry at hearing that. But pride will keep you away from your healing. Take your pride and lay it at the feet of Jesus as you confess your sin to someone else. And I can guarantee you, you watch as the freedom that will come upon your life. And as you confess that the person that you're confessing to prays for you. And my hope is that you that have somebody come to confess to you, that if there is anything that you have against them, that you do the very same thing. Swallow your pride and confess back and pray for one another that you might be healed. But some of you here also do need to do the hard work of coming to another who has harmed you. And you need to, in love, don't, don't miss that, in love, 1 Corinthians 13, right? Without love, any words you say is like a... A banging symbol. It means nothing if it comes out of, uh, it does not come out of love. You come to them and tell them, brother, sister, this may have been three years ago, but I have been hurt. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's me. If you need, if I have harmed you in some way, you come and tell me. And then pray. Pray for one another for healing. And so I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to take some time here. We're going to take about 20, 25 minutes, whatever it may be. And my hope and my prayer is, is that as the Spirit guides us, that even if it's just a simple, hey, if you, if you have to start it, hey, 
what can I pray for you about? And you pray for one another that we're taking the time to do that. Even if you don't know anybody. I'll be up here. You can trust me. I hope. I hope you can trust me. But I want us to live out this word together. Now, you can stay in here. You can, we have got the entire sanctuary. You can spread out. I understand. You may have something sensitive. But go up to that person and draw them away. If you need to step outside, whatever it may be. I want us to start to apply the things that God is putting into our hearts. Let the Spirit guide your conversations and let the Spirit guide your prayer. Amen. And then I'll come out. I'll, I'll wrap us up in about 20, 25 minutes with a prayer. We're going to sing a song and then we're going to go off. And I hope from this we find the steps of healing that God has for us. That James so powerfully tells us that the prayer of a righteous person has great effectiveness. Amen. And I, I pray, I hope that it, this was a time for some of us, uh, if nothing else, just to be prayed for, to pray for others, to be a bar, the body of Christ. This is what we are called for, right? We are not called to do this alone. We are not called to do, be individual Christians who try to walk through this to, you know, by ourselves, but we are a part of a body and we walk alongside of one another, encouraging one another, praying for one another, that we would find healing. And I pray that maybe, if nothing else, this was a first step. And if you, there, there's maybe somebody that wasn't here, I encourage you. There's somebody that wasn't here that you need to do those things with confession or confrontation or prayer or whatever. That you would not walk away and merely let it go by the side. And that you would not walk in hurt. You would not walk in that and keep it because I think God wants us to grow in that. He genuinely wants us to, to lay those things at his feet and find the healing that we need. And I think we've all dealt with some of those hurts. And so I just encourage you. Start those conversations, even if it's a text going out to somebody saying, can we talk? Start those steps and making that happen to where we begin to find healing.